Welcome to the Cup of Sunshine podcast series. I'm your host, Deb Cup. I was inspired to start this series to bring some positive energy and inspiration, something I think all of us can use in our daily lives. So in my quest to fill your cup of sunshine, I've invited people who I admire to have conversations with me, share lessons, insights that I hope can really benefit all of us. I actually started Cup of Sunshine First as a video series on LinkedIn. So please make sure to check it out on my LinkedIn page for video highlights of my conversations. But here on this podcast, you're going to be able to listen to the full conversations. So thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I want to share a conversation that I had with Kira D'Amato. Kira is the current record holder for the American Women's Marathon, which she broke earlier this year in January. I just love everything about her. Her humility, her authenticity. She's had such a great comeback story coming back to running what she loved that I think will inspire us all. Not only is she incredibly crazy fast, but she's also a wife, a mother of two, and a real estate agent. So she's living a real life and also breaking records. Check out our conversation on how she prioritizes her time, how she leans in on Team D'Amato for support, and what keeps her going when times are rough. So welcome, everybody, back a Cup of Sunshine, my guest today, Kira D'Amato. So Kira, I'm so excited you're here. Let's just say you're an amazing person. This woman, everybody, just broke the American women's marathon record in January. So first of all, can you please tell everybody how long it took you? Yeah, it took me two hours and 19 minutes and 12 seconds. Pretty much every mile I fought for during that race, but that's about 518 per mile for the 26.2 miles. So let's just <laughs> let's just say that one more time, 518 <laughs> per mile. So I don't know how many of you out there have ever run a 518 one mile, let alone 26.2 on average. That's insane. So I'm amazed by it. I ran one marathon in my life and I never want to do it again. <laughs> Again. Oh, I know. Yeah. So I, I know the so feeling. I, I yeah. just, I'm super, super impressed. How do you feel now? I know you, you've had a little bit of time for this to kind of sink in, perhaps. How are you feeling? The first week, it felt like a garbage truck had run me over. I was peel, feeling really sore. I really had to go to the pain cave <laughs> to, to pull that one out. But yeah, it hasn't sunk in. And I'm starting now that it's been about three weeks, I'm starting to learn. I don't think it's ever really going to sink in. But I don't know, going into that day, I believed like down to my core that I was capable of running 518 per mile. But like I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that that meant that would be an American record for the marathon. So like, you know, the confidence was there physically, but just everything outside of that. And then the aftermath of this has all been just surreal. I bet. I bet. And you, your journey is really cool. Like you, you were, you ran competitively in college. You took some years off. What made made you want to come back to the sport? You know, I think the most beautiful thing about running is that your why can evolve as you do. So my first round, it was, you know, in high school and college, it was to be part of a community and to compete and just, it really built my confidence. I was a little bit shyer. So that was kind of where, like, I found my confidence when I was younger. And in this, like, we'll call it the comeback tour, it was more about at first, like, getting, like, losing weight and for health reasons. And then it turned into, like, mental health reasons and having Mm -hmm. two young kids. It was just kind of that little space that I carved out. And then I got to get to a level where I was competing with my college self. And I was in workouts like thinking, man, college Kira couldn't do this. And then that 
brought up all this unfinished business from my college days and post-collegiate days. And so I kind of um, was chasing down the uh, unfinished business and just trying to test my limits. And I felt like I had kind of left running a little prematurely. I had a lot of what ifs and like woulda, shoulda, could haves. And then I finally, it was just so beautiful to get the opportunity to find out like, what if, you know? Was there a point where you thought to yourself, I think I can do this. Like, I think I could beat this record. Yeah, there was a workout three weeks before that I did. It was like a 22 mile run. And then I did about 13 miles of it at a tempo pace, which was faster than Mm -hmm. 518. And I finished that workout and I was like, I can do this. I can run 518. Like I know my body's physically capable of that. But in a marathon, there's like a lot that can happen between point A and point B. And the stars need to align a little bit. So that wasn't lost on me that I needed a decent weather day and I needed you know, to make sure to stay healthy and not get sick, even a little cold could kind of keep Mm -hmm. me off my game. So we tried to be really intentional about like all the small things and keep the family on a little bit of a lockdown through COVID and just get me to the starting line healthy. But, you know, it was a little chilly that day and it was a little windy, but I thought this is good enough. You know, this is good enough. I don't need perfect to get the record. I just need good enough. That's amazing. Awesome. So at Microsoft, well, one fun fact for everybody Kira's husband, Anthony, works at Microsoft, so which is fun, cool connection. And at Microsoft, we talk a lot about focus, practice, and teamwork. So I'd love to talk about all of those with, with you, which will be kind of fun. So your mom, two kids, a wife, mm-hmm. a realtor, and obviously a pro runner. <laughs> Prioritization is the thing that people are always asking about. People are, they wonder what is the silver bullet? How do people figure out how to prioritize and create focus when mm-hmm. all of these things are on your plate? How do you think about that? So I wish I had like the secret sauce to this. And I feel like for me, I just try to find a way is kind of, you know, just try to find a way and do my best. But when I'm sitting in bed at night, like I put things into my day in my, the way that's most important to me. So for my number one is family. So that goes first. So, and I feel like the golden hours for family are in the morning when you're getting the kids ready on the bus. And then when they get home from the bus up to the time they go to bed. So those I try to protect those hours. And then next for me, real estate is a little bit more just rigid, I guess, with deadlines and everything. So I fit Mm -hmm. that in next. And then my running comes third, but that I can do at any time of the day. So when I look at those, you know, family and real estate, then I think, okay, when does running fill in? But I find when I put things in my life or in my day in the order that's most important to me, that I tend to then be living like a very authentic life and filling my life with kind of what is most important to me. But then also like I've learned like to ask for help. So I'm not like a one woman show. I don't do this by myself. And just like Microsoft believes in teamwork, like we have team D'Amato that we all really help out. And it takes a village, you know, and I asked for a lot of help. And I think being a type A personality, that was a little difficult. And I felt a little guilty that I wasn't able to do it all myself. But then I learned when people like stepped up and were a part of my journey and were helping, it just was like more rewarding for everybody when we got there, you know, like crossing the line and setting the American record. It wasn't, I wasn't saying I did it. It was like, we did it, you know, like we did it. We, we showed up and team D'Amato, like, you know, and that means my family and my extended family and community, like everyone's really helped me get here. So I think that's an important part of, um, you know, just being able to fit it in. It's just being able to ask for help too. Yeah, it's one of the things I loved about, I've been following you on Instagram, and it's one of the things I've loved about you as I've sort of watched the way you talk about it. It is so team-focused, and a lot of people would never think that about running. Uh, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people think of running as being 
just very solitary, very individual. And the way you talk about team is just super cool. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I think it's it's a good message to people who are listening to this. It's it's It takes a village to do the, anything that we're all trying to do. And I also loved how you talked about the way you organize your day. Because I bet most people would say, oh, I bet she's wakes up every day and just thinks run, run, run. And, and it, it, it's not that, which is actually really cool. I think that's a good message too. It really helps create clarity for you, I'm sure, and you know, for your family, which is really neat. Yeah. And it, for me, it keeps running as like my my fun time, right? So yeah. That, like I kind of double dip for running being this very competitive, goal-driven adventure, but it's also the time that I carve out that's like my solo time that, you know, mm-hmm. I can think about whatever I want to think about and just have a little space to myself. And so I think that I kind of use that and double dip. And then sometimes I'll meet a friend for a run. So then it double dips yeah. as like my social time too. Yeah. So yeah, running, running is cool that it can play a lot of different roles. So what are you talking about? Just back to focus for a minute, because I'm I'm so curious <laughs> about so many yeah. things. Your routine, like when you think about what is in your head kind of before the big race, like everybody's probably wondering before you walk up to that starting line, what's going on in your mind? So I, I tend to do better when I don't overthink. And running mm-hmm. for me, I've been doing it a really long time. So I have a lot of experience in running. So for me, I just try not to overthink it. So leading up, like the days prior to the race, I'm making sure that everything is lined up and I have Mm -hmm. my water bottles and my shoes and I'm like ultra prepared. But once I have those checkpoints, I try to just zone out and kind of enjoy the moment and have fun with it. Because I find I can be an anxious person. So when I put way too much thought and energy, I'm just overthinking. And I feel like that can go kind of in a negative trajectory. So so I try just to listen to music or to chat, or I have like little cell phone games that I play that are totally mindless, but they just take my they take the stress out of it for me. Yep. So that's how, how I focus is by not focusing because I know, you know, I know what the goal is that, you know, the night before the marathon, like I always joke around too that races are just glorified workouts. So it's the same thing that I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to change anything. I've showed up on days that I haven't been feeling good or that the weather's been bad. So it's like, I know how to work through all those things. So for me, it's just not over overthinking it. It's great. I think what I love about this conversation already is you have such great self-awareness, which I think is very cool. Like for people to have clarity on themselves Everyone's different, but you, to understand sort of what your triggers are or aren't, understand, you know, what creates that space for you in your head is really cool. So just a quick fun question for you. I, I've heard you have a favorite go-to snack post-race. What is it? I eat a lot of Oreos. <laughs> I love <laughs> Oreos. And we like, the D'Amato family crushes Oreos on a weekly basis. So I don't even just save it as just like a like a after race snack, pretty much like a nightly Never snack, snack for eating Oreos. But our family, you'll go into the grocery store and there's like dozens and dozens of flavors. So one day I was just standing there and I'm like, well, which one should I buy? And then I realized there was like a BOGO sale, buy one, get one. So I'm like, well, I'm going to buy all of them. I'm going to bring <laughs> them all home. And we're going to, the tomato family is going to test what's the best Oreo flavor. So we made like a whole March Madness type tournament 
put all the Oreos in there. We all were on a sugar high for like weeks as we figured it out. And uh, the D'Amato family backs the mint Oreo. That's our favorite all flavor. Right. <laughs> okay, good to know. It's I, it's funny. I didn't even realize there were, the, I knew there were some flavors of Oreos. I didn't realize there were that many. So good to know. You should go look in the Oreo. It will blow your mind in that aisle. Yeah. Do you like separate them? Do you keep, how do you do it? Like what, what's your Oreo approach? It depends on my mood. Sometimes I do like to twist and separate. Other days it's just a dunking, you know, in the milk. And some days when it's just after a long run, it's just shove it all in and just keep moving forward. <laughs> I love it. So running, you know, as, as many people know, or if you don't, it's about consistency practice. Staying motivated, I imagine at times can stay hard. And we, we all have those days when you're just, you feel off. And especially running, like you're tired, you maybe you don't feel well, et cetera. What keeps you going then? And what do you do when it just feels tough? Yeah, I think for me, most importantly is I have a really strong why. So it's really natural that like I'm getting up and it's like really cold or it's rainy. And like your first Mm -hmm. thought is like, why am I doing this? Like, it's really early. I'm tired. I could be in my bed, like in my PJ still, like, why am I doing this? And for me, like, it really excites me to find my limits and to like see what I can do and just test that. Like, I want to see how fast Kira can run. And with running, it's a really long game and you have to be really patient and you have to, like you said, be consistent. It's just years of consistent training to get me here. So I understand that that's part of the formula. So for me, like when I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? I'm like, to see how fast Kira can run, like get out there and run, let's do this. But then I think also like I've learned too that in those really tough moments, I used to kind of fear that, you know, and especially dur- like every single run I've gone on or every single race, there's a point where just like everything hurts and your body's mm-hmm. negotiating with your mind and trying to convince you to slow down. And I've learned to like, instead of being afraid or like, yeah, being afraid of those moments to almost welcome it and to understand that's when greatness happens. So when I get to that point now, I think, oh man, it really hurts. But this is what I work through to turn a good run into phenomenal or it's, you know, just, it's just, that is the, the moment. And I can, like, I've been practicing this. I can do hard things. I can work through this, but I see it now as like a little exciting being like, this really hurts. But if I can find a way through this, something really magical is going to happen. That's amazing. That is such mental toughness. That's, that's (laughs) incredible. I love it. So you were talking earlier about team D'Amato and I love, I love that whole concept and, Tell me more about how it feels to ask for help because you you mentioned that it, it was hard and I think a lot of us have that challenge, especially if you're a type A personality, you feel like I should be able to do everything by myself. Like, why do I have to go ask for help? I don't want to put people out. Talk a little bit more about that if you don't mind. I think for me, I partly feel guilty because I know everyone has their own things going on. Mm-hmm. So I feel a little guilty and I've learned to overcome that because I love when people ask me for help. Like I love being able to show up and help other people. Like it's in my blood to help out. So I've started kind of rephrasing it. Like if someone asked me for help, I would welcome that. And I'd be really excited to be able to give back in that way. So I kind of try to look at it that way. But then also, I think when more people are in on that journey with me, it makes it so much more fun. So like, I kind of, like I said, like when I finished, everyone in my family and in my community felt some part of that from just like people running, my neighbors running down the street yelling like, go Kira when I ran oh, to yeah. like, you know, my mother and father-in-law coming over and watching the kids so I can like, you know, go out and run. 
Yeah. So it's definitely, it's not easy. And I think it's, for me, I have a bit of an ego, which I think is partly why I've been able to get to this. But then also, I think it's a little embarrassing sometimes to admit you need help. But I think that everybody needs a little help. So I think it's just pretty normal that you can't do everything. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm getting a little better at it. And I've been rewarded for it by people showing up and supporting and just uh, feeling that like love and support I think has, uh, has been rewarding. Yeah. And I think your, your point on like, people want to help you. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's a, it's a connection. I think that people really want. And I, I saw one of your Instagram posts where a lot of the running community had put the signs out for you, which I thought was, it made me tear up. I, I, I can that imagine was you, you talking about that. But it's, that was, it was so amazing. funny because before the Richmond Marathon, Anthony and I kind of just to be silly, wrote something out on Instagram saying, hey, like we're going to show up and cheer for the Richmond Marathon. Send us a message if you're running and we'll make you a sign. And we had, I think we had like 60 some people that said, hey, like my mom is running or my wife or I'm running or my friend's flying into town and I can't cheer for her. So we spent the night before the race and I wasn't running that because I wouldn't have been able to do it if I was running, but we right. spent the night before just making dozens and dozens and dozens of signs for the community. And we went out, we hung them all up along the race. And so people like really appreciated that. And so when I was out for a run the other day, I ran by just dozens and dozens of signs, like, oh man, I'm getting teary eyed from the community, <laughs> just congratulating me on the achievement. And that just really like, that was really special. <laughs> it was amazing. And I think if, if anyone, anyone listening has never watched a marathon or gone to a marathon, it's actually kind of a, you wouldn't think it, but it's an incredible, inspiring feeling. Like just the way it, when people are cheering for you and I love when runners put their names on their shirts and then you can cheer for them. It's just, it's amazing. So it's pretty cool to see what the sport can be when you don't know a lot about it. So I would encourage people to Turn it on. Yeah, I know a lot of people watch the New York Marathon. That's probably the one people know the most and, you know, have a chance to to watch. But it's a pretty cool thing. So you are super passionate about mentorship, which I think is amazing. And I'm sure you've received mentorship during your journey. Anything you want to share there? Yeah, I think um, I think the two biggest like advice, like one from my coach and then one from like other women in the running community that I've mm-hmm. received I think first is patience, like nothing happens overnight and that it's a long journey, you know, but the long ones are kind of worth it. And then to stay authentic on your why, you know, I think that we get so excited when things start happening that kind of detracts from all goals sometimes. So just staying focused on like, why are you doing this? But I think for me, like coming into the running space as a mother and as a realtor, showing up on the line and standing with like a bunch of other professional Mm -hmm. athletes, that that's their primary focus. And they live at training camps. So they train with just these resources or groups. It was really intimidating to step on the starting line. And I confided in some of them and just said, like, I feel like a little bit of an imposter. And the girl that I said that to is, well, I've said that to two women. One is an Olympian and one was like, won every single national record. And they both were like, here, everyone feels that way. And that just rocked. That was like, oh, this is normal. And it was like, I was so happy that I did like put kind of my insecurities out there because I was rewarded with like, that's normal. So um, that was a really cool moment for me. And that really changed in my confidence in the running space. So, um, so that really helped. There's so much power in that vulnerability. Like it's funny how people 
think if you achieve a certain level, whether it's work, sports, whatever it is, that you have some special thing that they don't? And the answer is usually no. <laughs> it's Nobody's everyone special. has that, yeah. that. We're all special that, in our own way, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got that little voice in their head wondering, am I an imposter? How, why am I, how can I possibly be here? This is crazy. It's amazing. So this has been so fun. I, I, I'm so inspired by you. And I love sort of how grounded you are and how consistent and how just connected. It's just the coolest thing in the world. So there are three questions I ask everyone who comes to Cup of Sunshine. Um, and one is the most important lesson you've learned in the last year. I think just gratitude, you know, and this yeah. goes back to me asking for a lot of help. But um, I think some of like, I have felt less guilty just being thankful and just showing that appreciation. And then when I'm like standing on the starting line, I just feel so thankful for the journey and the people that helped me. And then like that propels me just to feel supported too and loved. And when you're, you know, so I think just gratitude is, is, is so important and to make sure that you're like speaking that gratitude too. And what always makes you laugh? So I'm on Strava, which is like a social media app for like endurance athletes. And so all my runs go up there. And by default, they just are like the titles of the runs are like morning run, afternoon, night run. Well, for years now, I've been changing it to like a joke of the day. And <laughs> I'll put up a joke, which I, I giggle at because I think is funny. But then the people in the running community will like one up my joke and they'll like dad joke my or pun me above my pun. So strolling through my Strava, Strava on a daily basis just cracks me up. And there's a, the world's a funny place, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really good idea. What um, makes you it, laugh, Deb? My husband makes me laugh all the time. My dog makes me laugh. I laugh a lot. Like I am a, um, I love just not taking things too seriously. You know what I mean? Like life is serious enough. I just, a lot of things make me laugh. And I have some folks on my team that are hilarious. So they make me laugh all the time. So I find a lot of joy in in a lot of places, Mm -hmm. or at least I try. How about important aspect or ingredient in leadership? What you think your secret is? So um, I let my legs do the talking for that, but uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's funny. I feel a little silly answering this because I'm not the president of the, you know, the biggest tech company in the world. But for me, like on this journey, like I really never set out to be a leader. Like this was kind of an individual journey for me, but it's not lost on me that among the way I've inspired people to you know, give something that they thought they hung up, you know, their shoes or that they retired, you know, retired from in their twenties, another shot, just some like a passion of theirs that makes them happy. So for me, I think being a leader is being really authentic to yourself. And I just feel like kind of walking the walk for me and just creating a space of just, just a genuine, like that, I feel like how I've inspired people, which has been so beautiful is just being myself, which I'm tearing up just saying that. And that's just so powerful that the world has been, or the running community has been inspired by me just setting out on this really authentic journey. So I don't really know the best way, you know, to lead people, but that I'm doing, I'm doing just an authentic uh, thing. It is the best way. And I, I love that you said that. And it's just, um, I think that's what is so inspiring by you, about you because it's not just the running community. You know, I think a lot of people have, have heard your story. And the most beautiful thing about this is that you don't have to be in a job that 
has people working for you to be a leader. And that's anyone can be. And I think it's just the coolest thing to see people step up and do great things and show up as themselves. And that's, that's to me is I think something that I've been watching you from afar and, and have felt that authenticity come through in spades. And it's, you know, I can see your sense of humor and your, you know, your desire to be with your family and, you know, just your, your ability to sort of prioritize in your own world, you know, things that are important, which has been super cool to see. So this has been so fun. I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, huge congratulations. I'm, I have to ask you though, like, what now? What are you going to do next? Yeah. So the, well, thank you for that kind compliment. That really made my day, especially coming from you. That was very, very sweet. What's next for me is I'll be doing, there's the world championship for track and field is this summer and it's in Eugene, Oregon. The first time that it's been held on U.S. soil ever. So I'm going to try to qualify for Team USA. That will be a track race. I'll be doing the 10K. So those the qualifying races in May. So I'm trying to get my legs to move a little faster and um, I'm going to show up and see if I can make a team. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you. And thank you so, so much for making the time to do this with us. We were, we're just thrilled to have you. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. It was so nice talking to you. And this was definitely a cup of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. What an awesome conversation with Kira. I don't know about you, but it makes me feel like I got to go for a run right now. She's so inspiring. I hope you enjoyed listening to Kira as much as I did. What she's been able to accomplish is so inspiring to us all. And in fact, I think how she accomplishes it is even more inspiring. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Cup of Sunshine. I'll see you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. I'm Deb Cup, and you've been listening to Cup of Sunshine. (laughs) 